Hey everyone, welcome back to Staying Connected, a podcast where I talk to other people with vascular Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, or VEDS, um, which I also have. Today I have Abby with me in person. We are at the VEDS scientific meeting in preparation for the VEDS collaborative meeting tomorrow, and just so excited that we're here doing this in person. It's always really special. I know, I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) So tell us about your son. Yes, so my son, John, is seven. Um, He was diagnosed um, just after he turned two years old. Um, So it would have been back in 2014. Um, My husband and I were tested afterwards, and we were not positive, so he's the only one in our family. And how did you figure that out? Um, so I'll try to keep it short. So he actually had a lot of issues, um, when he was born. He was my third child and, um, he had a lot of, he just had a lot of things going on. He had some breathing issues, some feeding issues. Um, he ended up needing multiple surgeries for different, um, things going on. Um, he had, um, pyloric stenosis in his stomach, which he had to have surgery on, um, and he had a lot of eye issues. He had feeding difficulty. He had a really small jaw that he had to have surgery on. Um, there were just a lot of things that it just seemed like once we kind of had one thing figured out, something else came up. Mm-hmm. And so we were actually seeing the craniofacial team because of his jaw. <clears throat> and I requested a genetics consult and, you know, like, kind of like everyone else, was told, no, he's fine. Um, had been told by, you know, the pediatrician multiple times he's fine. Um, he had lots of bruising. And then, so one thing led to another, and then we were actually told by the first geneticist we saw that he was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other geneticist that was actually his fellow was in the room, and she was younger and about my age, and... Um, I think she just by looking at him and everything I was telling her, and I at that point I was really adamant. I knew something was wrong with him, mm-hmm. um, you know, because like he was my third child, so I mean it wasn't you know my first time yeah. in the park. Like you know I knew something <laughs> was wrong with him, um, and so it took a I mean it took us a little while, um, and eventually like right before right before he turned two. Um, we did a connective tissue panel. She knew he had a connective tissue disease, but just didn't know which one. But VEDS was not on her radar. Mm-hmm. Um, and we drew his blood and did the testing, and he came back positive for VEDS. And that was when he was just before two or at two years old? He had, so his birthday's in December. He actually had his blood drawn right before, um, he had his blood drawn, um, like right before his birthday. So it would have been in 2013, so right before he turned two. Okay. And then um, it took quite a while. It, I mean, it was like 11 weeks. Wow. To get his results. Um, and he was actually, so our the hospital that we use in Omaha, they had actually just started doing the whole, the whole t- connective tissue panel in-house. Mm-hmm. And so John was actually our geneticist's first patient that she ever diagnosed, and he was the first patient at that hospital ever diagnosed 
Wow. Um, they had right. They had started doing it in house, and they actually repeated it multiple times. And before they even, she, she told me for sure he had it. They sent his, they sent his stuff to Doctor Byers to make sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then she called me, and I knew. I mean, I knew it was terrible because she called me on her lunch break, on my cell phone, and had us coming up there like two days later on her lunch break for an appointment. So I knew it was bad. It was bad. And I asked her, I said, is it one of the bad ones? And she said, yes. And I knew, I mean, I had taken the paper home and I had like researched a lot of it. And once I knew it was one of the bad ones and I got back on the, I knew he had vids. Yeah. I knew he had it by just by the, the pictures, the, you know, the issues he had had with like bruising and his skin splitting and I knew he had vids. So that was on the list of things that they tested for mm-hmm. and you looked into it after you got the call? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So tell me about the skin splitting because you mentioned that a little mm-hmm. while ago. So that was when so I was always like I would say per, I always kind of let the I mean we went through seven doctors before um, you know that I kept saying like I knew I thought something's wrong with him but I felt like I was always kind of like, no, he's fine, he's fine. Like, I would bring things up. Like, he would get bruising on his legs, mm-hmm. um, you know, fingerprints for me changing his diaper. And, like, no, it's normal. You know, from the pediatrician, like, he would have the, you know, I would go for an appointment and I would bring up, um, you know, he had bruises on the top of his feet and on his ears. Like, places that just little kids don't get bruises. Because yeah. at this point, he wasn't even mobile. And... um it was always just, no, he's fine. Um, they, I mean, our pediatrician talked about, oh, maybe he had, um, like, an underlying bleeding disorder, like Von Willebrands was mm-hmm. brought up. But, oh, there's nothing, like, really that you can do about it anyway, so there's no point to test him for it. And I brought up, like, you know, on his forehead. He had, like, very prominent veins on his forehead. And I, I remember, like, bringing all these things up. And he's like, no, it's fine, it's fine. Everything, like, but then it got to the point after he became more mobile and started walking more, um, he would bump his head on things that weren't, you know, you wouldn't think that would cause an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and his skin just started, like, splitting. I mean, just, like, gashing open from these these small, almost bumps that, you know, little kids, like, they, they would fall and bump their head yeah. on something not, you know, not sharp, you know, not, and it just didn't, it didn't make sense. And that's when... Um, he started getting these, getting the this skin tearing and splitting that I really started getting angry because I felt like I was being pushed off and, and like I'm acting like a hypochondriac or I'm acting like a crazy mother, but I knew like I'm totally not. I am not someone that takes my, my children to the doctor unless they, I mean, there is something wrong with them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't run. I don't run to the doctor. And so by this point... I think I knew something was wrong with yeah. him and I got really defensive because I wanted someone to listen to me. Yeah. So you had seen seven doctors mm-hmm. by this time? Yeah. So then who were you able to get to like who made the it was the geneticist? Yeah, but I did I was like a self referral. Yeah. Like yeah, like our our plastic surgeon told me, you know, he was on the craniofacial team. And I said, I want to see geneticist in the next appointment because it's like a group of doctors that would meet for him. So he would have like, you know, his plastic surgeon and his ENT and, um, you know, his feeding team and, and 
like all these people and you they would have genetics available and he said oh no you know he's fine he doesn't he doesn't have like an underlying issue and I just said no child has this many problems like in just so many areas of his body and then I'm like I'm seeing all of these other things um but I at this point had taught he had had like a couple pediatricians two family doctors locally um who all kept just telling me he was fine, mm-hmm. and then yeah, it was it, it was a self I it was a self referral for genetics, um, and I said I still want to see them I want to see them yeah and then when we actually met with genetics, the 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 head head honcho the big guy that had been there a long time actually said he was fine yeah and, um, it, was the and it yeah and it was this fellow that she was about my age, and she was a mom and she was also pregnant and. I think, I mean, you could just tell, I think she understood, like, how desperate I was. And, you know, I mean, I just, I remember telling her, I said, I know there's something wrong with him, you know. And, Mm. I mean, to this day, we see her every year, and she's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. How did it feel when you got the diagnosis? Um, hmm. That's a good question. So... I was devastated um, reading every, you know, I knew enough about it. It was devastating to look at that. But at the same time, I'm also, I am definitely a fixer. I am, I will hit it head on. Like, I want to know every single thing about this. I want to, I want to find not a good doctor. I want the best doctor we try. I mean, we ended up traveling to Baltimore to see Dr. Dietz when, you know, locally, I, I just, I would, I mean, I would just bring up so many things and like, I just want the best yeah. for, you know, you want the best care. You want the most recent, you know, the most, you know, what's going on with it. Um, and if I don't have, that's how I deal with it. I need the most recent information because I can't fix something if I if I don't have all of the information I need. Yeah. And, and I know everyone's different. I mean, you hear about, you know, people that go into, like, denial mm-hmm. about it, and I'm the complete opposite, the complete opposite. I want to know every possibility of the worst-case scenario. I want to plan, try to, pl- try to plan for anything that could possibly happen so, so that I can fix it or prevent if I can prevent anything from happening in any way, I would do it. Yeah, and you're in one of the I states, right? And yes, I'm in. The <laughs> <laughs> I, I am in the I state. I'm in. I am in Southwest <laughs> Iowa, <laughs> so not a very, you know, up and coming area. Yeah. I'm like 15 minutes from the Missouri border. Um, I'm kind of between like Omaha and Kansas City. Okay. Closer to Omaha, I'm about an hour, just over an hour from Omaha, about two hours from Kansas City. Um, and, you know, it's definitely, definitely been a very, very big challenge in that area. Yeah. yeah. So do you travel to Baltimore now every year to see Dr. Dietz? So we actually, um, the plan was we were going to see him every two years. Um, and then we actually had a cardiologist um, that came from, and I can't remember where she came from for sure, but it was the West Coast. I want to say, I don't know if it was Portland maybe. 
mm-hmm. um, had come over, and they actually so she actually started um, her nargenesis. They run um, a clinic together for like connective tissue diseases, um, and she runs like the Marfan. I mean, she runs the Marfan clinic. Yeah, um, and so. We ended up, like, being able to see the two of them together, like, his cardiologist and his geneticist. Um, and that went, that's gone okay for a little bit. Um, but I think the more I learn about it, um, you know, I think, at least for John, um, we're actually in the process. He's, he's, he'll start seeing Shane Morris in Houston um, actually next month. Awesome. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll travel to Houston um, because, you know, I really feel there's there's power in numbers and you can get a lot of things done, you know, when you have numbers of patients. Um, and I think I will get it'll just be a lot better for me as a mother and and for John and for us, it'll work. It'll yeah. work well. Well, Shane Morris is great. I'm she's got she, a lot amazing. Of kids. Yeah, yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. So, how has it been in the five years since you've known his diagnosis? Like, mm-hmm. what's gone on? What kind of complications has he had? So, so he does. I always say, like, when people say, "Oh, how is he doing?" Like, I mean, you probably know as a vets patient, or you know, and as a parent, your your first thing is just like, "Oh, fine." You know, oh, yeah, they're good. But, the you know, it's they have VEDs. Yeah. It's, I mean, they're fine today. They weren't fine yesterday. They weren't, you know. I mean, his his biggest issue is, like, uh, he has a lot of GI problems, and it's been very challenging um, because there is no good data. Um, we don't know what is caused from. Um and you're limited yeah. as far as testing. Um, and that's like the no colonoscopies and endoscopies mm-hmm. and stuff, right? Yeah. So, you know, we have a great vascular surgeon in Omaha. Um, he had recommended that John have like a barium swallow test um, because of all of his GI issues. And that's fine. Um, but he wanted us to see, he said, oh, like, we'll, we'll need to get him into GI. And here's the issue with vets. So then I'm like, that's fine. I will do that. Get me a GI. Yeah. And that's where care always falls off. And I'm on my own. Because you don't have one. No. And then I always say, and I still remember like being in the car after this with my husband after this last appointment. And because um, the nurse had told me, I'll call you. Ba- oh, I'll get some names and I'll call you back. And I remember being in the car with my husband and I get, I go between like being really angry and then like breaking down and, you know, sobbing. And my husband, you know, I remember him saying, you know, give her a chance. She said she'll call you. And I'm like, she's not going to call me. They never call me. Yeah. And he kind of was like, you know, I mean, was trying to be, you know, helpful, try to be positive. And I mean, that's when I get really frustrated and I get very emotional because, I mean, it's sad because you're, you're on your own. I'm like, she's not going to call me. She's not going to get me a name. They never call me. Welcome to vets. <laughs> and so, it's sad. It's it so sad. sad. It's so sad. It is. I remember I had a lot of GI issues when mm-hmm. I was a kid, so I'm really curious about what his 
symptoms are like? Um, so he, his GI issues, he has, he'll get like really severe stomach pain, um, to the point where, I mean, it's really debilitating. He will, um, lay on the floor and cry. He will, you know, cry that his stomach hurts. Um, and it kind of, you know, it'll go on for hours a lot of times and he'll get very nauseous. He'll get dizzy. He'll lay down. And then, you know, I do, we just try to comfort him as best we can. And then, um, usually it'll end with him vomiting. Um, and then he's fine. Is the vomit normal? No. Well, it'll be even like old, old. Like undigested food? Um, yeah, some, sometimes it will be, and sometimes it'll be from like the day before. Wow. Um, and there's other times where he won't vomit and he'll just have severe stomach pain. We were just in the emergency room on the 4th of July. I mean, cause it was so bad. He couldn't walk. I had to carry him. Um, you know, and I swore, I mean, I swore at that time that he was having a bowel rupture. Yeah. It, you know, I mean, he was screaming. It, it, and I mean, he's seven. He can't explain. I mean, all he knows is that his stomach hurts. I, and you know, he wouldn't let me touch his stomach. Yeah. Um, so what was that emergency room experience like? Um, it was, it was horrible. It was, um, you know, working on the collaborative and especially the last five years, like knowing what I know, I mean, I'm the person also that like, helps people like find physicians and get plans and like I'm very you know involved like on in the online community yeah um and about like advocating for yourself and your kids and um I guess you always think about you know no you need to do this you need to do this but then and I was prepared I mean I thought I was prepared I had everything I had all of the papers that I needed in the emergency forms and, um, you know, notes from doctors and I had an emergency plan signed by his doctors and what to do with this and this and this. And, you know, I took him there. I had paged our vascular department before we went, they told me to take him and I go there and I mean, it's a, it's a huge level one trauma center. Yeah. Freestanding. Like that's where he needs to go. And I carried him in there and at first, yeah, we're quick. And then we sat there and it was like an hour and a half before they even started an IV. Um, and he had in the severe stomach pain, like on an emergency plan, it says, you know, you don't waste time with ultrasounds. You don't waste time. And it took three and a half hours for them to do an ultrasound of his appendix. And the appendix. The appendix. And it was four and a half hours before we got an MRA of him. Um, and that was after I paged vascular again because the attending told me that they could not get a hold of vascular. Mm -hmm. And so I took it upon myself and I did it again. And then when people say, you need to advocate, you need to advocate. And you even hear like physicians, sometimes I feel like they're not even in touch with reality. And they say, you need to advocate. You need to be their voice. That's all I've done for five years. Yeah. Not only for my son, but for vets patients and other you know parents helping their kids and that's all I do and I am not a quiet person and I go you know I am in the hallway on my cell phone paging vascular staring this attending down yeah 
because he will not listen to me. He refused to look at my paperwork. Refused. I mean, when they sit there, you know, he sits there, they sit there and they tell you, yes, we understand it. You don't understand it. If you understood it, we wouldn't be sitting here Yeah, you waiting. would have ordered a scan already. Right. And then after I paged vascular again, um, I'm assuming somebody from our vascular team called down and it did not go well for this attending because within probably 10 minutes he was getting an MRA, but that attending never came back in our room. He kept, and after that point, he just sent his resident. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know how, and, and this is what's frustrating me because I don't know how to fix that. And I've tried and, you know, I have, I know other girls that I've become close with that live in the same area. And it scares me to death to think if they were to go there with an event or if my son were to go there, I mean, thank God he, it was not an emergency event this time, but it scares me to death to think if I would have to go back there, if, if he did have a rupture or a dissection or something, um, you know, or one of my friends there, cause they are, they're my friends. Um, and to think about that is very scary. And so that's what I really have been trying the la for a while. Like, how do we fix that? Because it need that has to be fixed. Yeah. It's a big problem. Mm -hmm. And I know that like, I'm not going to get on my soapbox right. <laughs> because I do, I get really fired up about I know. it. And, um, but we are, we're, we're trying so hard. I, I think we all try so hard in the I community know. and like, we're such a tight knit family. Right that it's amazing like what you and Rachel do by yeah. calling people like on behalf of people and like looking out for people who are having emergencies mm -hmm. you guys are doing such amazing things with yeah. that yeah and you know for those of you that don't know like Abby and Rachel I I feel like you guys like just comb through all of the posts I swear I feel like that sometimes <laughs> <laughs> and then you call like you call Shireen I mean, the first thing on the comment I see from either you or Rachel is, have you been in contact with Shereen Shereen right. yet? Right. And if you haven't, like, one of you mm. guys call her mm. and say, hey, this person's at this hospital, and they're having an event, and then she will call them. Yeah. You know, she'll call the hospital. And it's truly amazing. I mean, it's it's heartbreaking that we have to do that mm. together as a community. Yeah. Um, but it's amazing what you're doing. Thanks. And I feel, you know, I think it's hard to because you feel you feel so close to even the people I haven't met. And I've met a lot of them. Um, but you do. I mean, I I don't do it just for John. I mean, that's what got me started. But I've gotten so close with so many people. They are they're like my family, yeah. you know, and they're my friends. And when something is happening to them, um it's very, you know, it's, it, it's, it's scary, you know, and we've lost, um, we've lost some, yeah. you know, and I'll talk about like my friend Jody. I was really close to her and that was really hard for me. Yeah. And I never, I never met Jody, but Jody, that one was hard for me too. I yeah. did, um, that was, I mean, that, she passed away. It just felt like at the time we lost several in a row mm -hmm. very quickly. Yeah. And I didn't know, you know, the other, I, there were other few, um, you know, that we had lost and I didn't know them, know them. I mean, I had seen them post some, but, you know, with Jody, 
I was so sad because I never got a chance to meet her in person. Um, but, you know, I loved Jody because um, she had her son had VEDS, and he was a little bit older, um, but definitely seemed like he had the personality when he was younger like John has, um, you know, because we talk about all of the things that he would want to do, and she hated telling him no. And she had such always had such great advice for me. And I also appreciated it because she also had VEDS. Yeah. So I think it helped me. At, it helped me as far as, you know, she was the mother of a son with VEDS, but she also understood it as a patient. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was, real, that was really, really tough for me when she passed away. Yeah. Um. About to ask you something. You said something, and I was like, that's what I'm going to ask. And then I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Jody was really, it was hard. I did that yeah. song for, for Jody and all of them in like December on my YouTube channel. Like, and then last, yeah. was that last night? No, it was the night before last night when I sang it at the award ceremony. Oh. Here. Like, yeah. um, we had like a talent show and a dinner and. Mm-hmm. It's just it's the song like off right away, right? And it was um, so like it just spoke to me so mm-hmm. much after she died. And it yeah, was, it was sad. And you know, sometimes I think people probably, I guess if you weren't in the group, it is, it's so odd. And sometimes I think when people are newly diagnosed, I wish they had a way to find us because it's amazing. And I still remember. Um, I'll talk about our friend Brandy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you heard this story. It's like my favorite. It's my favorite. Fa- this is probably the best thing that has ever, like in five years. Um, so I remember Brandy, and I hope she, I'm going to send her this because I want her to listen. So she <laughs> lived. Um, so she was in Texas. I think, yeah, she was in Texas. And so she was pregnant, and she had VEDS, and she was very pregnant. Um and I remember finding her. She posted in a group, and I don't remember if it was, like, in the Friends, on the Friends page. And I remember her being very pregnant and with VEDS. And she posted about, basically, she was going to have a C-section at a rural hospital was the plan. And I remember reading that, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm thinking, you know, it's, like, 10 o'clock at night. And I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I I mean, and it, it literally, like, it scared me to death because I'm thinking to myself, this cannot, no, this can't happen. You, her, her doctor had sent her to, like, a high-risk OB. The high-risk OB said she was not high-risk and, like, didn't even understand. Yep, what? Didn't even understand why she was there. I think it sent her twice, maybe. Um, yeah, that, like, it could all be done in her rural area. And I remember messaging okay so I messaged her and I remember telling her so she's telling me this story and I'm like I'm that makes me like really nervous and she's like I'm really nervous but I don't know what to do and I'm like okay no like you are not having this baby at a rural hospital (laughs) like you have beds I was like no and I remember it being like 10 30 at night and I remember being so scared like oh my god what if she goes into labor yeah what happens if she goes into labor and, like, they take her to a rural hospital and has a C-section. I'm, like, worried. I'm, like, yeah. scaring. I was so scared. And I'm, like, 
you know, psyching myself out and I cannot sleep at this point. Like there's no way I can't sleep. And I remember messaging Rachel. I was like, Rachel, right. Cause Rachel's in Texas. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And I'm like telling her all this stuff. I'm like, they said they're going to do a C-section at a rural hospital. I'm like, she can't have a C-section at a rural hospital. I was so scared. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, and then Rachel, then Rachel can't sleep. And so, so Rachel's messaging her, right? And Rachel is like telling her, I'm like, no, you, you know, no, you have to have it at a level one trauma center. You need a high risk OB. You need to have vascular in there too. You need, you know, is telling her all these things like Rachel's reaching out to like, you know, physicians she knows and, you know, the high risk OBs and, um, she ended up so so I'm I'll, I'll try I just ramble and so anyway she ends up getting amazing care she went to the huge hospital had va- I I think she ended up having vascular in there um, she had a healthy baby uh, we knew like she was scheduled to have it done at like however many weeks um, and then the day of her husband sent us all these baby pictures and I was oh. like oh my gosh and her baby does not have beds that is amazing <laughs> I, was so, I was so that is like the best story ever like and that's why. Um, and I'll sp- and I mean, that's why I do it Yeah, is because of that. Well, it's amazing what you guys are doing. And it, you mentioned, um, like people finding us and getting mm-hmm. into the community. Yeah. I've noticed people when they reach out to me and like, Hey, do you have your genetic report? Cause I can right. get you into this group. Right. For sure. And, like we are a really tight yeah. family yeah. and I want that. It's growing mm-hmm. a lot more oh, rapidly yeah. now. Oh yeah. And it's very exciting cause you know, there are people out there that, that don't mm-hmm. have any support like this. Right. And. I remember, and I remember in like one of the groups online that had been like pretty stagnant for a while. Um, I remember being on there and like over, I made a post and I can't remember. And all of these people just flooded this post, like, because it had been, this group had been quiet for so long and all of these people and oh my gosh, I bet it was within a three week period. We had to have had at least 30 people that were confirmed vets. I mean, just like out of nowhere. Yeah. Like I'm here, I'm here. And I'm like, and I still remember like Francis and Kat and they're like, where are you finding these people? <laughs> they asked me and that too. <laughs> I'm like, right. And they're like, are they confirmed? I'm like, they are sending me their genetic tests. Like they're desperate. Like yeah. these, they are, I really believe a lot of people are desperate for information, but they don't know where to go. Yeah. They have no idea. They have no idea what mutation they have. They're like, I had no idea. There they was don't different. Know any of the information. No idea. Cold three A one. Right. Yeah. That's what I get. A lot. I have a I'm like, right. I'm like, well, yeah. But what kind? Right. No. No idea. You know. And a lot of times, like as I'm typing, they're they're sending you their genetic report. Yeah. No, please tell me what it is. Right. What is this? What it, is this? Bit? Yeah. Yeah. My doctor said there's nothing I can do about it. I don't need to test my kids. I don't need to. I, I mean, and I'm just like, like oh, oh my gosh. gosh, have you had a you know. And yeah, <laughs> it's it's insane. It's crazy. That is insane. It's crazy, especially if you have it and you're not going to test your kids. I mean, at some point, like I mean, you don't have to do it immediately, right. but at some point, right? You you probably should. Mm-hmm. What are some similarities that you've noticed between John and some other kids with beds that you've met? Oh my gosh, have you seen John? Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's cute. He looks, he looks a lot like he is like the poster he is like the poster baby for vets. <laughs> yes. Did you see our picture? Me and Rachel, we took a picture of the boys, like John and her two boys mm-hmm. at the Marfan at the conference in Houston around like the the you know, the little the sticker they had on the floor. Yeah. And 
I said, oh my gosh, they're like the poster boys for vets. Um, he just had, you know, he looks, um, he just looks like a little vets boy. He has, he's so cute though. And he he has a huge personality. He has, but he does definitely, I mean, he has attached earlobes. He has the very thin, thin nose, kind Mm. of pointy. He has the big eyes, the almond shaped eyes. He has, um, you know, thin upper lip. He has, um, very thin translucent skin. Um, it's very, you know, it's very see-through like on his chest and his back. Um, yeah, he's definitely, you know, when they say, oh, you can't go by facial features. Like, you would walk in a room and see John and be like, he's got vids. Yeah, and you, I've done that with some people. Oh, yeah. It's crazy now mm-hmm. that I know the facial features. Like, once you've yeah. seen so many people with them, mm-hmm. it's like you can pick them out of the yeah. room. Yeah. When you walk in, you're like, oh, my gosh. Did I, I tell this person? I know. I know. It's crazy. Pause for an airplane. <laughs> it's like airplane mode here. This is so cheap. I should leave this in. Right? Be like, airplane. (laughs) Maybe one. (laughs) Leave one in there. Okay. So is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you want to talk about? Um, I would say, like, it's very difficult. I think it's, for me, I'll say, like, from my perspective, um... I know that it's, like, a personal decision to get your kids tested, but just seeing... So, like, John was tested when he's two. He doesn't know any different, Mm -hmm. and he's always been like this, and his friends, like, he's grown up with the same friends, you know, in our town, and, like, he went to preschool with the same kids, and I think that it is definitely easier for other kids to accept them the sooner they find out, and that's what they're used to. Um, And it's definitely, I think, been easier. I cannot imagine, like, putting off... I know it's a very personal decision, but putting off until they're older and then kind of, like, dropping this on them. Yeah. um, Because I definitely feel like it's easier, definitely easier for John um, because he hasn't ever known any different. And I see kids that aren't diagnosed until they're... 10, 11, 12, 13, and it's very devastating. Um, and so that would just be like my perspective as a mom, um, getting him diagnosed when he was young. And that's just, that's just him. That's just the way he is. Yeah. So um, does he know he has beds? Oh yeah. Does he He'll know tell you he does. It? Because they have vids. <laughs> he, this is so terrible. When we went on his Make-A-Wish trip, he was so excited to be there. He's like, aren't you glad I have vids? Isn't that terrible? <laughs> He's awful. like, and he has his little genie. He has his little, right? He has his little genie um, pass because he can go on any ride and go up like the exit. He doesn't have to wait. Yeah. And he's like, aren't you so glad I have vets to his brother and sister? And he's like, got his little genie pass and he's like flashing around like, <laughs> Joe. And then, and then he's saying things, you know, he'll say, don't you, aren't you glad I have a bad heart? No. And I'm like, John, no, don't say that. But he didn't care. He yeah. was, I mean, at the time, you know, he's seven. Yeah. It doesn't, he just has vets. It's just, you know. But no, he does know. I mean, as well as he can know anything about, he's seven. I mean, 
you know, he does, he, there's certain, he knows he can't, he just knows he can't do contact sports. Um, you know, we let him swim. He does, we have a swimming pool at our house. He swims all the time. Um, we try to limit his diving, but we do let him kind of dive at home, but he's also not off a diving board and it's like equal with the deck. Yeah. Um, but you know, he did swim team, so he can't dive off the divers. You know, we let him go off the diving board, but we try to say, Go straight in. Don't, but you know, don't belly flop. Don't, belly don't flop. do right because he's very, very active. He's very active. So, yeah, he know he knows he has it, um, and he knows what can happen. You know, sometimes he gets a little gruesome about it. You know, he knows he knows that he'll tell you. Um, you know, that he gets hurt easily, that his skin rips, you mm-hmm. know, he knows he takes heart medicine. Um, but as far as like cannonballs or if, you know, he'll do cannonballs in the pool and, um, you know, but he knows not to belly flop, but he'll tell you if he belly flops his, he'll tell you like what he told someone, he said, if I belly flop, my insides might explode. <laughs> Like, <laughs> right? I don't know. And I mean, but he says it like jokingly. Yeah. But he know, you know, we tell him, you know, I explain it to him like, you know, it is hard because he's, he's also seven. So he thinks doctors can fix him no yeah. matter what. He always thinks he can be fixed. And so we have had to have the conversation, um, you know, it, it, you're really, really hard to fix. You know, because, like, we go to the doctor now, and he gets his tests, and, yeah, they're taking care of him, and he's on heart medicine. Yeah, they take care of me. And, and like, his, his surgeries and procedures is all, you know, pretty planned out, and everything goes well, and um, you're prepared. And so it, it is a little bit of a struggle to yeah. say, you know, if there isn't, you know, we really have to prevent something bad from happening because it's not always that easy. That's going to be hard so, as a parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's good that he knows. Yeah, he knows. Oh, he knows. He'll tell you all about it. (laughs) He does, yeah. I never know, like, when I interact with people's kids, I never know, you know, if they know or not. And Mm -hmm. so I'm always just like, hey. Yeah. No, they (laughs) know. And he was so excited. You know, when we were in Houston, that was the first time he had ever met other kids with VEDS. Mm -hmm. And he was so excited. And he said, they have VEDS. They look like me. I knew he had VEDS, you know, with, he loved it. (laughs) He loved it. It is awesome to Mm -hmm. see when everybody gets together. Yeah. I love that the kids got to get together when we were in Houston. They had so much fun. I heard a lot of good things about Mm -hmm. that. It was, it was amazing. It was, it was amazing. And yeah, he loved it. He's still talking about it. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, thank you for doing this and for everything that you do. Of course. Thank you for everything you do. (laughs) (laughs) I hope to be around for a long time to keep doing it. Yes. That's my goal. Mm -hmm. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. This was Staying Connected, and this was Abby telling her son's story, John, with Vads and her own story with, with it. So um, thank you for listening. We have a new episode coming out on the last Sunday of every month. And I'll talk to you soon.